we have phantom power. Now we have phantom power. Phantom power. <laughs> Welcome to Smells Like Quarantine Spirit. Hey, y'all. The podcast where I learn things and do things in quarantine mm -hmm. while my sweet fiance backs me up, edits stuff, adds excellent commentary, and sounds amazing. Yeah, that's me. So we have a confession to make, actually. We were totally off on our last podcast. It was not the 16th day of quarantine. It was the 17th. Yep. And frankly, even that is incorrect because strictly speaking, we didn't even start this podcast on our first actual day of quarantining. We sort of sidled into self-quarantine pretty early for Americans anyway, um, mm -hmm. because we were concerned about pre-surgical risks for me. Mm -hmm. So I don't like know precisely what we should count as our real day one, but I do remember people asking me to hang out the weekend before my surgery, and I was just like making weird excuses because I felt sort of embarrassed to say we were going to quarantine, even though like I was really weirded out about COVID and all of the people I know in every other country in the world was really weirded out. But here it was like kind of like not a thing to do. Like yeah. you were overreacting, yeah. you know, whatever. But if uh, I'm honest, I'm just I'm just going to say that I believe the last day that I wasn't in quarantine was the last day I was at my office. Mm. And I know what day that was, even though we're very flexible with we were very flexible with working from home um, because I had a dentist appointment that day, too. So that day was Wednesday, March 11th. Mm -hmm. Which would technically make this, right now, day 27 no of quarantine kidding. for Adam and I. Almost wow. a month. Wow. Um, but since we started the podcast as day one, we'll just correct our mistake from last episode, which we're going to leave saying it was the 16th, even though it's a lie. And we're going to call this day 21. Okay, day 21. And day wow. 21 is a very special day <gasps> because it's Adam's birthday. Hey. He's... um. Do you, do you want to tell the people how old you are? Sure. I'm, I am I love getting old. Uh, <laughs> I'm 41. I'm, I'm one third of the way through my life. He's... For, don't say that. Ugh, that's depressing. <laughs> I'm going to be 100, 123. Oh. That's not sad. Okay. That, okay. We can do that. <laughs> this is my one third birthday. <laughs> <laughs> Your one third birthday. And but with, that's unbelievable though. 41. Um, I know you guys are only listening to this, but you can trust me here. This man is handsome. He is so damn handsome. Stop it. You would never believe it. Cut it out. That he's 41. Um, and I'm so grateful that my quarantine buddy is like super hot. You can hear me blushing, right? <laughs> you can hear okay, it, right? Okay, okay, okay. So in honor <laughs> of uh, Sweet Adam's birthday, I thought we would talk about gifts. Oh, cool. Or rather like talk about thoughtfulness mm -hmm. um, through the lens of gift giving. Awesome. So I... I'm actually totally cold on this. I didn't know you were doing this at all. Uh-huh. Okay. okay. Yeah. Neat. Well, yeah. happy birthday. Here we go. All you right. get to be on a podcast. Sweet. Unaware. All right. <laughs> yeah. let's, let's all learn something, people. Yeah. So, I mean, I personally, I enjoy a very well-considered and well-given gift. I don't like love holiday and birthday specifically because it puts a lot of pressure on you to come up with something um but if like i'm out and about and i see something that someone that i know and love would like i actually find it really hard not to buy it for them mm. do you have that issue i, I, I uh, yeah or i know that feeling yeah yeah it's, it's a it's a good feeling it is good but it's a stressful feeling because it can be an expensive feeling yeah um but right now obviously it's a little tough to gift like actual things mm. i mean for the less risk averse among us they're still online ordering you could still and and like a couple weeks ago like i did that a few times i sent some friends books i sent some friends puzzles but at the moment that feels like not a really great idea 
unless you're willing to let your boxes like hang out for a few days without touching them or like mm-hmm. really sanitize them because shit is getting real y'all mm-hmm. shit is getting real it done gotten real. So personally, I would just stick with ordering essentials and getting essentials for a while. But there are still some things you can do to show people your thoughtfulness, to show them that you care. For people far away, consider like a Kindle gift card mm-hmm. or gift them an ebook. Mm-hmm. I think you can do that. Can you do that? You can do that. Can you specifically yeah. like select the book and be like, I thought you would like this, and then yeah. it shows up as an ebook for them. I believe that you can do that. Yes. That'd be really cool. I hope it is. So let's look into that. Yeah. Um, but you could also do things like um, buy them Rosetta Stone to learn a language. Yeah. Make art for them. Yeah. Digital art. <laughs> right. Um, or write a really thoughtful email. Like sit down and like write a letter, but in an email because you don't gift. touch an email. Mm-hmm. It's a great gift. Mm-hmm. And for people that you're with in quarantine. You could do dishes, even if you didn't dirty them, even if neither of you dirtied them because it was the ghost roommate yeah. who always fucks up the kitchen. You leave yeah. the room for one second, yeah. Oh, yeah. ghost roommate's fucking with you. Michael Contreras comes in the kitchen, just messes <laughs> the whole damn place up. It happens in our house all the time. Yeah. Adam's childhood imaginary friend was named Michael Contrary, which is a very sophisticated name for a small child to I was come way up more with. sophisticated back then than I am now, let's get honest. <laughs> so Michael Contrary comes in and fucks with our kitchen. And yeah. then moves on. And yeah. well, one of us picks up the slack. We always, yeah. yeah um, but yeah, but you could also give shoulder rubs, make a funky dessert from like whatever you can find in your kitchen. So, you know, there's just like a lot of really thoughtful yeah. touches, things that you can do. And the reason like that's linked to gifts is because gift giving is seldom only about the item itself. Right? It's the thought that counts. It's the thought. That's what we say. It's the thought that counts. Yeah. Um, which is like a really trite phrase but it's really meaningful it's really impactful it's if you true. think about it it's kind of it true is. i mean honestly i mean yeah i had the experience the yearly experience of uh, i'm mostly on facebook for those of you who don't know um i've kind of pulled away from social media in large part but i go back to facebook on my birthday because people's it's it's still our favorite way to you know wish happy birthday but you favorite know, and simplest honestly like some and sometimes <laughs> i i don't send birthday messages because like i don't have the energy or whatever to like send something really thoughtful but honestly like i got some just little Hey, dude, happy birthday. And it made me feel so good just to see that person's face and their name. And just just the simple HBD I got from one person. I was like, HBD. I got HBD, like they the minimal effort. They gave me three letters. letters. But, you know, it made Out me think of, their of that person. busy quarantine day. And I thought I thought people would be insulted if I sent them something that minimal. But, honestly, That's I wasn't wonderful. insulted. I was no, just, nice. I was like, shit. He thought about me for, like, you know, half yeah. a second. Yeah, yeah, I'll and, be like, oh, that know, person I went to college that with that I haven't yeah. spoken to in 15 years. Like, yeah. honestly, they took the moment. Truthfully, it's yeah. Right, right? It, it was valuable to me. Exactly. And so, like, gifts, gifts like this, gifts are really fraught. Um, with with meaning, with intention, with obligation, mm-hmm. which isn't always good. So yeah, yes, no. like your experience was really good today, but it's not always a good thing. Like you know what I'm talking about, though. There's like that super annoying person in your friend group. I mean, are we even gonna call her a friend, really? Who, <laughs> despite her deficient personality, is always invited to birthday parties because she gives way nicer gifts than anyone else like an ipad or a princess diana beanie baby yes this may have been me circa 1998 yeah (laughs) stacy knows on some level that she sucks but a her above average spend is meant to buy access to a social group she otherwise wouldn't have a chance in hell of being part of and b her gift also incurs a latent demand for reciprocity 
Because, like, we live in a society, damn it, and you can't very well receive a dope-ass gift without giving one back at Stacy's birthday party in a few weeks' time. Or, if Stacy's birthday is in the far distant future, maybe she'll just be happy with, like, a tag of you two together on Instagram. Or maybe she needs a recommendation for work. Mm-hmm. Either way, you've just been buttered up, and Stacy will eventually come to collect, whether it is in a reciprocated gift or an action of some kind. <laughs> <laughs> so, Truth. Yeah, well, yeah. sorry to any Stacys out there. There's sorry, no Stacy. I don't know Stacy or her mom. You know about Stacy's mom though now. That's right. I do know about. Yeah, Stacey's I gave mom Adam now. the gift of like late '90s pop rock uh-huh. <laughs> that he was not familiar with. So a lot of Fountains of Wayne was listened to. Um, a lot of Eve Six. Anyway, um, that's not even in the script. So we'll move on. So I was first introduced to the idea of gifts as power. Gifts as something beyond just the thing. Um, When I was in grad school, because I read this super interesting book by a man named Marcel Mauss. So Mauss was at the forefront of sociology. In fact, Emil Durkheim, like the father of sociology Durkheim, Emil Durkheim, was his uncle. So we can assume that it was in the blood or at least the family Christmases. Like, why aren't you doing sociology? Well, actually, I think Mauss was Jewish. So Hanukkah. At the Mm -hmm. Hanukkah parties, it's just like, why aren't you following in my footsteps? Someone's got to. But anyway... In 1925, Mauss wrote The Gift, Forms and Functions of Exchange in Archaic Societies, Mm. which asked one main question. What power resides in the object given that causes its recipient to pay it back? Mm. So, like, namely, for example, um, a beanie baby is but fabric and PE pellets or PVC pellets if you're really fancy. And yes, I do have a Princess Diana bear made with PVC pellets in case anyone wants to spend... I don't know, at least the 10K that someone apparently spent in January of 2019 on a similar model. What? Although it occurs to me, Adam, that with this pandemic, we are probably going to have to put the Beanie Babies back into storage because no one is going to spend money on Beanie Babies right now. Damn it. Oh, yeah. We'll give it another true. 20 years. We'll bring them back up to the surface. Yeah, not a good time to hawk those. And then we'll re- retire on yeah, the money. True. They, they keep saying. Anyway, what power resides in the object given that causes its recipient to pay it back? So Mauss investigated several cultures in order to answer this question. So particularly cultures with a strong tradition of this kind of gift giving. So um, a lot of tribal cultures in New Guinea, um, within the U.S., and among native New Zealanders, the Maori. So here's kind of an an intro section from early on the book that he describes um, some of the things that he's talking about. It is clear that in Maori law, the legal tie, a tie occurring through things, is one between souls because the thing itself possesses a soul, is of the soul. Hence, it follows that to make a gift of something to someone is to make a present of some part of oneself. Next, in this way we can better account for the very nature of exchange through gifts, of everything that we call total services, and among these, potlatch. In this system of ideas, one clearly and logically realizes that one must give back to another person what is really part and parcel of his nature and substance, Because to accept something from somebody is to accept some part of his spiritual essence, of his soul. To retain that thing would be dangerous and mortal, not only because it would be against law and morality, but also because that thing coming from the person not only morally, but physically and spiritually, that essence, that food, those goods, whether movable or immovable, those women or those descendants, those rituals or those acts of communion, all exert a magical or religious hold over you. Finally, the thing given is not inactive. 
invested with life, often possessing individuality. It seeks to return to what Hertz called its place of origin, or to produce, on behalf of the clan and the native soil from which it sprang, an equivalent to replace it. So what this describes sounds pretty intense, like, holy crap, I have a piece of Stacy's soul now? I had no idea Beanie Baby could mean that much. But actually what it gets down to is that there's something deeper and more personal happening when you give or receive a gift. He's talking about social bonds, so ties that link us all together and keep society functioning properly. We have all of these things today, just a little less formal than an actual potlatch, which, just for those of you who don't know what that is, because it's kind of a specialized term, um, it's a formalized ceremony in many cultures in which elaborate gifts were given or items of great value destroyed in order to signify the wealth and power of the individual doing the giving or the destroying. Hmm. Super fascinating. Okay. Um, incidentally, the U.S. government made them illegal in the 1800s until the 1950s. They were seen as anti-Christian events and, more importantly, wasteful. Which is really interesting to me, actually, because it really drives home the sheer lack of any attempt at understanding Native American culture. Hmm. Which I know was not high on the priority list of the U.S. government for a long time, but damn, son... Isn't personal property like the ultimate American value? I'd be damned if I'd ever let the government tell me I can't break my own damn toys, which, which unfortunately, I often do. Anyway, Mouse agrees that though we may not have potlatches in the same way, echoes of these behaviors most certainly exist in Western culture. And I quote, Surprisingly, here are to be seen traces of the old traditional moral basis, that of the ancient aristocratic potlatches. Here we also come to see the surface of these fundamental motives for human activity. Emulation between individuals of the same sex, that basic imperialism of human beings. On the one hand, it is the social basis. On the other, the animal and psychological basis that appears. In that separate existence that constitutes our social life, we ourselves cannot lag behind, as the expression still goes. We must give back more than we have received. Okay, so this is a 1925 description of, like, what happens when someone throws a party and gives you free drinks, or if you're at a bar and someone buys around, which actually brings to mind something kind of tangential, but I think is kind of interesting. So I studied, as you know, Mm -hmm. in England twice, once at Oxford and once at LSE. Now, a weird thing about studying abroad in the UK is that often there's worse culture shock for Americans when they study there versus when they study, for example, like in Italy. And my Mm. theory for this is that people who go to a country with a foreign language are expecting it to be different. So they're more prepared, whereas England shares our language, but is culturally much more different than most people would expect from the U.S. since, you know, we're sharing a tongue, whatever. But anyway, the point I was going to make is that when I lived in the U.K. and would go out to pubs and bars, we would always buy things in rounds. Like one person would buy one round for the whole group and then the next person the next round. And I never thought about it too much beyond the fact that, like, Yeah, guys, this is why you have a binge drinking problem. You can never just go out for, like, one drink unless you're drinking alone. And if you're drinking alone, you're definitely not just having one round. But beyond the drinking, it's kind of a nice obligation in a way. It's a nice feeling to pick up a round, bring everyone their drinks from the bar, put them down, everyone's smiling at you and happy. Uh, But you know that you're not going to be out, like, a ton of money. Like, sometimes it's uneven, but mostly it evens out. Mm Mm-hmm. And, you know, when I studied there, the exchange rate was two to one, so that was a legit concern for me as a broke student. (laughs) For sure. Um, But yeah, it would mostly just even out in the end. So, social bonds, Mm. power, magic. Obviously, since 1925, a lot of great thinkers have continued to explore this subject. Um, But a book that I picked up that was laying around our house today 
actually that inspired me to do this subject is called Giftology by John Rulin. It's an okay book. It's not like groundbreaking or anything, but he does bring this, um, this concept of gift giving into the professional sphere in an interesting way. And surprisingly, not in a gross or creepy way. I'd sort of assume that a businessman writing about this would be more akin to Machiavelli, like, hey, 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 here's how you can manipulate this crazy, deeply psychologically wired gift-giving impulse for personal gain. But no, it's, it's actually really pleasant and even kind of sweet book. So, like, wh- what he says is this. Picture me pounding my fist on a hard surface before you read the next sentence, because that's how strongly I feel about it. <laughs> Giftology is rooted in the acknowledgement of someone's time being the most precious commodity he or she has to share. We've all been given a ridiculously limited amount of it. So when someone shares it with you, let him or her know unequivocally how honored you were to receive it. Aw. It's really nice. I know, it's sweet, right? And that's actually what I enjoyed about this book. Like, the very critical core of the book is about showing care and a genuine desire to do right by others. And, like, you know, it's something that I've often felt, um, especially, you know, in my job in advertising. You know, if people approach me and want to be in an ad or want a job, like, I can always tell when someone is coming to me saying, like, I want to give you something. Like, I want to give you a skill and help you with a skill that I have that can help you out Mm -hmm. versus, like, wanting something from me. Yeah. Which it functionally ends up being the same thing, I guess, but it feels really different when mm. someone is coming to you with a very open, how can I be of use to you? Yeah, there's a different energy behind it. Like, and you feel yeah. it. You feel the less, like the, the I call it the ick factor. Um, mm. I mean, a lot of times, <laughs> I, you know, you get marketing emails and like there are there are some people that I look forward to opening their emails. And, and some of these I get quite a lot. Like uh, Matthew Kimberly is one of them. Ramit Sethi for a while. I used to get their email le- newsletters. And like they're always selling me shit. But like I genuinely enjoy opening their emails because they always delight me somehow. Yeah. Always teach me something. They always I know they're always giving something along with the ask. Exactly. So, yeah, yeah. And like one of my favorite things in my career has been mentoring younger people and mm-hmm. helping them with their careers. I love doing that. And I'm always open to doing that. But it quickly gets shitty when, like, there's no appreciation for the fact that, like, yeah, actually that half hour that I spent at coffee with you is, like, a half hour that wasn't being billed to a client. And my hourly rate is a lot higher than yours (laughs) in turn. And, you know, it's not that that I don't want to do those things and it's not that I Mm -hmm. don't do them. It's just that there is – it is nice when there is an acknowledgement of your time, exactly what Rulin is saying, that, Mm -hmm. that your time is the best thing you can give. And so the least you can do is try to give give back in some way. Yeah. And, you know, that was really unexpected um, for me to read from him. But it's something that all the best companies I've worked with have implemented. Like, I still wear an all-black leather uh, letter jacket from my old company. It has my initials monogrammed in gold on the front. It's like, dope. It's, it's awesome. And it was tight. a really thoughtful gift. And it was yeah. one that I use yeah. all the time. Um, so there are good ways to good ways to implement this in your own life, too. And, you know, I think this all works in, in multiple ways as well. Like, mm. there there is another dark side to it of, like, being a bad receiver. Have you ever met anyone who simply would not let you do anything for them? Mm. Mm-hmm. So, like, a really long time ago, I read a short story or, I don't know, maybe it was, like, an email chain forward from my grandma circa 1999. Who can tell? Either way, wherever it came from, it was really impactful to me. And it was about how... Mrs. Claus, it was a story about how Mrs. Claus ends up leaving Santa 
because he never lets her give him a Christmas present because, like, that's his thing, giving gifts. <laughs> and I tried Googling the short story for Adam to read to you as an extra at the end of the podcast, but for once my Googling skills were defeated, and now I have all kinds of, like, really weird Google search history, like Santa and Mrs. Claus divorce presents. Short story, Mrs. Claus leave Santa gifts. Why Mrs. Claus dumb Santa? <laughs> the things I do for all of you, but I failed, so I'm sorry. But... Basically, though, the point is that letting someone do something nice for you, something thoughtful for you, letting them be thoughtful is a sign of trust and openness as much as doing the actual giving. It's telling someone that you're okay with creating those social bonds. You're okay with them owning a piece of your soul. Hmm. Because any relationship ultimately has some level of obligation and consideration to it, whether it's as casual as you tipping your regular barista every day or agreeing to marry someone. That's right, Adam. You gave me this ring, and now I own a piece of your soul. Oh, yeah, you do. <laughs> oh, yeah. So that's it. That's about thoughtfulness and gift-giving in these, these difficult times. So I guess be thoughtful. Yeah. Be thoughtful and be kind and find, to one another. And find ways to be a giver. And find ways to be a giver. Yeah. It will usually reward you way more than being a taker ever could. Absolutely. Absolutely. Good night. Good night.